0: And today, I want to I talk to you about evangelism. And some of you just went, hmm? man, I knew I should have stayed in bed. I had a good excuse to not be at church today. He's talking about evangelism. I want to talk to you about, but instead of using the word evangelism, I want to use the word sharing life. Because if you believe that when you give your life to Jesus, he brings you from spiritual death into spiritual life, then what we're called to do is we're called to share that life with other people. Now, it's sad to say that the word evangelism has a bad reputation today. And a lot of people get nervous and they get scared when they hear the word evangelism. But evangelism is not a bad word. It's just maybe it's been misused or misplaced or something like that. And, 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 and it's, so it's, it's not a bad word. It's If you really break it down, we're sharing life with other people right? It's like when you go to and you discover a new restaurant that's very good, what do you do? You call your friends, you Facebook it, right? You're quick to tell them. If Dillard's or or Macy's is having a sale, you're calling all your girlfriends, right? If Bass Pro Shop is going out of business and everything's half off, Every man sending out a mass text. You can't can't get a man to send a mass text for nothing. But now all of a sudden he's sending a mass text to what? All of his friends to tell him what? Some good news. Right? That's evangelism. You're just evangelizing the wrong thing. Come on. Right? But that's evangelism. It's the same way. But man, if, if we let the enemy come in and we let religious folks come in, they'll twist that thing up so bad that we'll never do it. And we'll never share life with somebody else. So let me ask, start with asking a question. Have you ever been afraid to share the good news with somebody? Raise your hand. If you've ever been afraid, you've got to be honest, you're in church. I've been afraid. You can put them down. Ever been afraid to share the good news? I heard a preacher say the other day that only 5% of Christians actually have the spiritual gift of evangelism. So for some of you, you went, whew, I knew I wasn't in that percentage. 5%, that excludes me already, right? So that means I don't, I don't need to evangelize because I don't have the gift. wrong. What that really just basically means is that they, they're going to be a whole lot better at it than you are because it's just going to be something that naturally flows from them because it's a spiritual gift that they have to evangelize the lost. And so they wake up in the morning thinking about the lost people. They wake up and they, they want to go out and they want to share the good news with people. And you wake up and you just want to find coffee, right? And so listen to me. That's okay. It's okay to be that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. Right? Right? Because we're all called to share this life that we've been given. And I think, and so I asked the question: you know, I'm like, why, why is it so hard? Why is it so scary? Why is it such a big deal for me to just go to somebody and tell them about Jesus? And I realized that part of it is from my past. It's from my past, and I'll share that in a little while. And so I've I've discovered as a pastor that people are timid to talk about God. And I'm not talking about people outside the church. They'll talk about God easier than we will. I've been on a mission lately. It's called You Got a Word Mission. So I I text people, I run into guys, or even like I've been messing with Kristen lately, Poor thing, that might be why she's a little stressed out. But I'll I'll send her a text message and I'll say, hey, got a word? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I don't feel like being at church tonight. You got a word you want to share? freaks people out. I've messed with some of the guys. I'm like, hey, man, you got a word? And I'm sitting there going, what the heck? The Bible says we should always be ready to share the hope that is inside of us. We should never be ashamed to talk about Jesus. The crazy thing is is that we love receiving this life from him and we love that we've got eternity sealed and and signed, but why not give it to somebody else? It's funny, but Jesus said sometimes it's it's the best kept secret. The question is, is he the best kept secret in your realm of influence? Is Jesus the subject that gets talked about the least? You got a word? You afraid? You afraid to go tell somebody about Jesus? I grew up believing that you had to do ambush witnessing. Hmm. You ever do that? Let me tell you how it rolls out. I'm working for a company. I, I get the position to drive the company truck. So a guy rides with me and when I get a guy by himself, real nice to him. Just real nice. Hey man, you doing okay? Man, How's your wife doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I get him all by himself and then all of a sudden, bam! I hit him with the question, so do you know Jesus? And it, it's just this awkward thing. And it's like I had to sneak up on him and then pounce with Jesus. And I was never comfortable with that. And I would I'd get that sweaty palms, and it's just like, Whoa. You ever been like that? But that's what I thought evangelism was when I grew up. It's like you had to sneak up on somebody and hit them over the head with the Bible. And then, boom, they're going to wake up saved. (laughs) Looking back today, that would be an easy way to evangelize. I'd be knocking people out left and right. but, But that's not what evangelism is. And in fact, street evangelism, though it used to work back in the day where you stand on a street corner and you just preach to every passerby, it works, okay? I'm not saying it doesn't work. The problem is it's just it's not very effective. It used to work. It doesn't work like that anymore. So as Christians, we got to learn how to change with the times to some degree, right? Today's evangelism is more relationally based. You get to know somebody. You hear their story. They hear your story. And in that, in your story, you share life with them. And then all of a sudden, without even knowing it, They've heard the message of Christ, right? So we end up getting trapped in this funky position between knowing that I need to tell people about Christ and this fear and anxiety that if I do, what will they think about me? What is my reputation going to be after I open my mouth? What if they don't give their life to Jesus? What if it fails? What if I stutter? What if, what if, and what if? And so we get trapped in between this thing. We know we need to tell people about Jesus, but at the same time, we're going, well, man, or maybe even it's this trap that you you feel unworthy. I'm not good enough to tell somebody about Jesus because I messed up two minutes ago. Well, if that was the case, none of us could ever tell anybody about Jesus, right? But here's the truth. We can't afford to stay trapped because the stakes are too high. There's people dying right now, and they're splitting the gates of hell wide open. That's an eternal thing. It's not a temporary thing. Nobody's coming with a bailout. Nobody's coming with a bucket of water. When you get to hell, you're staying. So what needs to change? I believe our hearts need to change. And in order for your heart to change, your heart needs to break. Heart change happens when hearts break. And so I want to show you something in scripture today. And then we're going to be a little bit all over the map, but just hang with me. We're going to start out in Luke chapter 19. And I want to show you Jesus's heart for the lost 19 starting at verse 37. It says this. It says, When they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessing on the king. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. These are just some of the things they're shouting, the Bible says. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said teacher rebuke your followers for saying for saying things like that. You see here's the thing when you open your mouth it makes people uncomfortable. And you got to be okay with them being uncomfortable. He didn't Jesus didn't call us to make people comfortable. He called us to stir something up. You see the religious folks got mad because they were singing praises to Jesus who was walking right there with them. And they said, teacher, tell them to shut up because it's making me feel uncomfortable. Watch what Jesus says. He said, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. (laughs) You can't stop it. Now, here's the part I want you to see. Verse 41, it says, but. As they came closer to Jerusalem, and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. So think about this. They're coming out of the mountain. They're coming down the road from the mountain. And his disciples start breaking out into song and praising him. Man, imagine what Jesus was feeling. Oh, this is good. What? Come on. Man, this feels, oh, I love this. They're finally starting to get it. Wow. And then he sees Jerusalem, and then something stops. And the mood swings. And the Bible says that he starts weeping. I personally believe it's the kind of weeping you see at a funeral when you've lost somebody who was lost. Because you see, there's a difference. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I experienced death at an early age. I lost loved ones that were saved and I lost loved ones that were lost. And there was a difference in the funeral. The ones that were saved, it was like, it was a temporary thing. I'm just not going to see them for a little while. But I know one day I'm going to see them again. So I was sad, but I wasn't nearly as sad as when I was at the funeral of the ones that were lost. Because that that was a definite end to life. End of the story, end of the chapter, it's over with. And I believe Jesus was weeping. Like we would weep at the, at the funeral of a lost person. Look at what he says. Speaking to Jerusalem. He says, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against you against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. You see Jesus' heart for the lost? It was broken with an anger. It was broken with a frustration that you had the chance but you didn't take it. Come on, are you seeing this? Our heart, the only way it's ever going to change is when it breaks. Our heart needs to break for the lost. Because if you want the heart of Christ, his heart is broken for the lost so that our heart needs to be broken for the lost. Amen? The lost were on his radar. The lost were who he woke up in the morning for. The lost were who he stayed up for late at night praying and believing and reaching out to. It was the lost. The lost was the people he lost his reputation for. You remember when he went to the tax collector's house and he hung out with the tax collectors and he's sitting in the house of sinners and he's in there and he's just loving on those guys? And the religious folks are like, What in the heck is he doing in there? And Jesus stands up and says, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. You see, the reality is, is that when we give our lives to Jesus, we go from spiritual death into spiritual life. And now it's us who need to go out and touch a lost world that is spiritually dead and bring them into life. The only way you do that is you got to connect with them and get this one. You got to open your old mouth. Open your mouth. Because there's people dying around you everywhere. If we're not careful, we spend all of our time on this planet looking out for me and miss the others God places in our lives. God is setting you up every day. He is putting people in your path. For you to share life with. He's taking dead people and making them go in a certain direction. And they bump into you for the sole purpose. To get life. It's like the flu. Come on. It's like the sinus infection. It's like all those crazy things that we run away from people from. And we got germex in our pockets, right? And all those things is to keep those sick people away and to keep ourselves healthy. Well, the spiritually dead, they're uncomfortable when life comes around. And you just got to go and you got to love on them. You got to touch them and you got to tell them where hope comes from. That's what we're called to do. I believe personally that's what I'm going to be held accountable for one day when I stand before Jesus. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's gonna be a couple of folks there. And I'm gonna say, Hey, you made it. Wow. <laughs> dude, you might be like, dude, you made it? <laughs> they might look at me, bro, you made it? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, by the skin of my breath. <laughs> but Jesus' heart, it breaks for the lost. He wants the lost to be found. John 3 16 says this for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He's fully aware of hell. He's fully aware of the consequences of hell. He's fully aware of the of the the eternity of hell. Jesus is fully aware that once they go, they can't come back. And he does not want any to perish. But here's the reality. Some have already perished and some are perishing now. So we got a problem. The world has a problem. We blame it on Obama. We blame it on everything else. But the reality is, here's the problem. There's people that are dying every day, every minute, and they're going to hell and they're not going to heaven. And they're staying dead on this planet. That's the problem. How do we fix this crisis? How do we fix this problem? Let me give you the solution. Number one, go preach. Go preach. We've all been through that religious season in in Christianity where people preach so hard on the streets that the world came to this thing of kind of rejecting the church and say, Stop preaching at me. Right? And so lately we've taken a a backseat approach and we come in kind of from the back door and we we try to love on people. So the last couple of years it's been, let's just go serve them. Let's just go love on them. No, don't tell them about Jesus. We're just going to love on them. I was involved. But I believe God is saying to this church today, it's time to start preaching again. But we're going to preach the right way. We're not going to Bible beat people and we're not going to ambush evangelism, right? We're not going to hide behind the bushes and jump out on people. Them, them days are over with. We're just going to go and preach the gospel. Look at what Romans 10 says. I think this is just profound what Paul says. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone. everyone. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Right? Right? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Right? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The problem is is that people are dying all around us and nobody's saying nothing. Paul says that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him if they don't know about Him? And they've not heard about Him. And how can they hear about Him if nobody ever says anything? Right? The solution to the problem is we need to, we need to preach Jesus. Jesus. We need to tell people why we have life in us and why things go well for us at times and how when we go through bad things, we still stay straight and we still go going right. How, how do we, we got to tell them where that comes from. We got to tell them where our hope is found. I said this for years, you got to get past yourself. Sometimes you're going to get healed in the process of sharing life. Because when you don't think about others, you stay thinking about you. And I don't know about you, but I get tired of me. Right? My prayer this week has been, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I woke up two weeks ago with just the word more in my spirit. Just woke up more, more, Lord, more. More, I'm getting tired of just the mundane, plain old, playing church. Lord, give me more. Lord, I want more. I want more. And this, this is just my quiet time. I'm just sharing my quiet time with you. So Paul says that somebody needs to say something. It's a good thing to write down. The longer the church stays silent, more people will perish. So here comes your message to go. Go with me to Mark chapter 16. I shared this at the, at the herd meeting Saturday morning, had a great time. Mark 16, starting at verse 15, this is, this is Jesus. He's already risen from the grave. He's met with his disciples and his people again, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And here's his last instructions to his disciples. And I think sometimes the last instructions are the most important instructions, right? Because I know for me personally, when I tell my son to go do something, the most important thing I tell him two or three times. And it's usually the last thing I say to him, right? Because why? I want him to remember what's important. Don't forget what's important. Mark 16 says this, 15 to 16. It says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. You know what that verse tells me? That God is fully aware that some people are going to believe in Jesus and some people are not. So stop worrying about it. It's just the reality that some people will reject Jesus and they will just choose to spend eternity in hell. Not your concern. Not your problem. As long as you do what you're supposed to do. Right? You see... We're not responsible for the results. (laughs) That just hit a few of you like a brick. (laughs) I just felt it. I said, shut up and let them wail in that for a little while. (laughs) Just let them let them marinate on that one for a little while. the results aren't your responsibility. Stop worrying about the results. Just worry about the charge and the command to go. And it's a simple thing. Here's the the cool thing about God is God doesn't make it so complicated that we can't figure it out. Religious people do and church people do, right? God's simple message to us is to go and preach. That's what he tells his disciples, go and preach. How much more simple is that? Is there anything more simple than just going and preaching? It's kind of like telling a farmer or trying to, because this is what I feel like sometimes as a pastor. Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to, it's as, it's, 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 it's as if I was going to a farmer and trying to convince him to sow seeds in the ground. Is what I feel like at times trying to tell the church to go preach the gospel. I mean, imagine that, going up to a rice farmer. Bro, listen, you got to put some seed in the ground. No, like serious, man, you got you to gotta get the seed in the ground. Man, what are you waiting for? Put the seed in the ground. I mean, how ridiculous would that look? The farmers I know would hit me with their shovel and get out the way. I'm putting seed in the ground. We just got to go and preach. We don't have to get results. Here's the thing. If you don't ever put seed in the ground, God has nothing to water. What's funny, as a church, a lot of times we sit back and we pray, Lord, Lord, pour water, pour water on him, Lord, water, Lord, water. He's going, as soon as you put some seed down. If I water the the plain old dirt, I'm just going to get more weeds. Put some seed in the ground and I'll water it and I'll bless it. In other words, go and preach and I'll bring the results. Right? Just go put the seed in the ground. I mean, that's an easy thing to do, right? Just put the seed in the ground. But what about if the soil? What if the soil? You know, the parable of the soil. What if the soil's not ready? You know, you got good soil, bad soil, medium. What if the stop worrying about the soil? Put the seed in the ground. That's how I interact with my kids sometimes. Virginia realized she recognized that one. Sometimes, like, just feed the pigs. Pray for me. But here's the thing we'll use every excuse the enemy gives us not to, but we won't use the excuse that God gives us to. I watched a thing on this guy, this preacher pulled up. A, uh, he was doing an evangelism series and he he brought in a panel of lost people on a Sunday morning. Coolest thing i ever seen. And so on the stage, he put up stools and all these, these people were lost. Pulled them off the street from somewhere. No preparing them, no nothing. You, we just want you to answer some questions as honestly as you can. And so somebody asked the question, why do you, or what do you not like about Christians? (laughs) And this guy said this, he said, the thing I don't like about Christians is they want to tell you, but they don't want to listen to you. They They don't care about me. They just care that they're telling me what they know, right? People want to know that you care long before they care about what you know, right? So I'm telling you, it's not a Bible beaten time anymore. It's not ambush time anymore. Think about this. Let me throw this out there. There's approximately 70 adults in here this morning. If, if we 70 adults would would go tomorrow morning, I'll give you till tomorrow morning, go tomorrow morning and meet the people you would normally meet on Monday morning, And communicate with them a little bit. Now, chances are you've probably already heard their story. You probably, they've heard your story. They kind of know where you stand. But if you would just go and care for them genuinely and share the love of God with them, what happens if 50% believe in Jesus? Come on, somebody do the math. How many is that? Well, 75 You see, I'm the preacher. I get to make you do the math. How many? Somebody, Unless somebody's pregnant. <laughs> That's a good one. But do you see what I'm saying? If we'll just go out and say something, if we'll go out and preach, we can double, we can multiply. And it's not so that we can say, oh, I got, I got 150 people in the church now. No, I said, hey, 35 more people just came into the kingdom. Right? If we'll just start that tomorrow. What if it's ten percent? Here's the thing, you'll never know till you do it. Right? A lot of times we get worried about what we're gonna say. But I'm not a pastor. No, you're the minister. But I don't know what to say. Stand up and let God speak through you. He's strong enough to do that. And you'll be amazed by what you hear coming out of your mouth. It may start out with a little... You'll be amazed at what happens. But I don't know enough scripture. Listen to me. People can argue scripture all day long, but the thing they cannot argue is your experience with God. Nobody can argue your experiences with God. Nobody can argue that you went from spiritual death into spiritual life. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just tell them what happened to you. So number one, we go preach. Number two, as you will like this one, expect signs. You need to expect to see signs, not stop signs or go signs or yield signs. Look at what the Bible says as we continue in this, this chapter. It says this, verse 17, these, this is Jesus speaking, these miraculous signs. Some versions of the Bible say these are some of the signs. That These miraculous signs will accompany, in other words, go along with those who believe. Then he gives us the signs. You see how simple this is? They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages or in new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. He didn't say go pick up a snake. He said if you happen to have to handle one, you'll be okay. And then he says, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. The question is, is when's the last time you cast out a demon? If it's been a long time, you need a clean house. You think they just gave you a break? You think the devil just quit with you? You think he's forgotten about you? Maybe, maybe he's not threatened by you anymore because you fell asleep in Christ. Get you some of that. A good indicator is that when all hell's breaking loose against you, you must be doing something right. Right? (laughs) When the devil leaves me alone, I kind of go, dang, I better stir it up a little bit. (laughs) That must have made the devil happy and not God. When's the last time you laid your hands on the sick and they were healed? You'll never know if they get healed if you never lay your hands. (laughs) Some people say, that's my job. Well, you're the pastor, you do it. People used to think the pastor was the only one that could bless the meal. I'm like, you pray. I'm ready to eat. You see, the Bible says that you're the minister. I'm just here to equip you. Hello. Jesus says these signs are going to accompany you. In other words, when you go to the spiritually dead and you, you touch their life with spiritual life, there needs to be something happening. Come on, you ever seen somebody come back from the day when they shock them and they put the thing like, Gosh. I mean, they don't just go. They fly off the table, right? Something needs to happen. There needs to be some signs, some miraculous signs that follow. I believe this is the coolest part of Christianity. Come on, I mean, this is the thing I like. People, I can't understand people that want to come into a building and keep it enclosed to see the miracles of God. I'm going, what the heck? This ain't no fun. How about at your workplace? Next to the coffee pot. You lay hands on somebody that's about to get a divorce. You cast a demon out. Listen, if you lose your job for casting out demons, God will give you a better job. And I've never heard of anybody losing their job that way. But honestly, I get sick and tired of people wanting to see miraculous signs and they'll believe God to see things inside the church, but they'll never believe God to see things happen outside the church. I can't tell you how many people have come through these doors thinking that we're a spirit-filled church and we are a spirit-filled church. And when they don't see people falling down and running around like a chicken with his head cut off, oh, they're not spirit-filled. I'm going to the next church. I want to hear stories. My vision for this church is that we just start to hear stories. I get phone calls, man, pastor, you ain't going to believe what happened at work. This guy fell on his head from 20 feet up. He was out past. I laid hands on him and he stood up. Man, that's good news. I'll answer your phone when you call. If I know, I'm going to get stories like that. It's the coolest thing about Christianity is that we, we get to experience God at a different place. Signs and wonders are going to accompany believers. They're going to go along. If you're not seeing signs and wonders, then maybe you're not preaching. Maybe you're not reaching. Right? So we got to expect signs. Share a quick story with you. In the early days in Jennings, when we first moved over and we got settled in, Pastor Bubba did this thing. And I think it's cool. I may just bring it back. I'm praying about it. But he he split us up two by two. And he had a, he had a bunch of maps of the city. And he had streets highlighted on those cities. And so you had the name of the street at the top of your page. And so here, you're going to take May Street. Uh, You're going to take Second Street. You you follow what I'm saying? And so he said, okay, you pair up two by two and you can drive to that street, but you're going to get out of your car and you're going to walk down that street and you're going to knock on every door. And I went, "Uh uh-oh. He said, when people answer the door, you just ask them how they're doing. tell Tell them where you're from and just ask them if there's anything you can do for them Or pray for them. Right? Pretty simple. So I hooked up with this guy. I partnered up with. I went with this guy. That was a friend of mine. And we went and we we picked our street and we get to the street and the first house, I'm not kidding you, the first house we go to, it's a little brick house. I remember it vividly brick house and they had the screen door the glass door in the front was shut and the big door was open so when you walked up you could see what they were doing so we walk up and I look inside this door and there's a guy across from me twice my size frying bacon and on his right side he had a pile of bacon about this high and he still had some more he was flipping in the pan I was like we picked the right street (laughs) we're gonna minister here for a while and so, man, we knock on the door. You know how kids are. They just kick the, hey, what y'all want? And, the mama, and so we walk in, and you couldn't see. But to the right, the mama was sitting in the sofa in her muumu. And I remember looking over, and she's sitting in the sofa, and she's got a table next to her, and you can't even see the table because of all the medicine bottles. And, boy, something happened right there. I went, uh-oh, we in for a show. And, and Earl, the guy I was with, he'd he come out of the charismatic type of uh, church, and I came out of the Baptist church, so I was reserved, and he was ready to go. And so Earl, Earl goes, ahead, I said, I said, hey, we're, we're from our Savior's church. My name's Jamie. This is Earl. We're here to, you know, is there anything you need us to do? We just want to come in. Is there anything we can pray for? And the lady goes, and she starts with her laundry list of everything she's taking medication for. And one of the things was her knee. And so before I could say anything, Earl drops to his knees. He puts his hands on that woman's knee. Now she got her mumu on. I'm going, dude, you violating some personal space. But he he grabs her knee and he starts praying for her. And I was like, shoot, I better get up in on this. So I grabbed her hand. I'm a little more reserved. I grabbed her hand. I'm like, yes, Lord, touch her. Whatever Earl's saying, Lord, do it, Lord. And, and, and he's praying for her. And the lady starts going, Woo! 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 And I'm like, Woo, woo. And I'm like, man, Earl, stop. Woo. And she goes, my leg is getting warm. It's getting hot. Oh, my goodness. And that just fueled Earl's fire. I mean, Earl was like, he prayed even harder. I was like, dude. I was going to say, stop. I didn't know what was happening. And he gets up and he tells her, he says, how do you feel? And she goes, whew, something happened to my knee. He said, well, you want to stand on it? Oh, oh, I don't. He said, let's try it out. And he grabbed her two hands and he picked her up and she stood on her knee. And she said it didn't hurt. And we shared the love of Christ with the family. And we walked out the door smelling like bacon and went to the next house. (laughs) That was a great experience in my life. I'll never forget it. You can tell I know that story. And there's many more stories that have marked my life. But look at me. That is why I know God like I know God is because I stepped out and I had experiences with Him. If you're sitting here today and you're feeling, well, I don't know God like that. The only way to know Him like that is to step out and do something. Right or wrong, step out and do something and you'll have an experience with God that you can put in your history book. Right? Right? You'll have a story with God that you can come to church by the water cooler and say, bro, I had a crazy week. Cast out five demons and had three people get healed. Get you some of that. They do it at the workplace while we can't do it here. Is It's making sense yet? So you need, you need to expect signs to follow you. Number three, you need to use your power. Use your power. Acts 1.8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The main point of the Holy Spirit empowering you is to be a witness. That's what he says in the scriptures. He's talking to to the, I think it's 120 that saw him when he ascended into heaven and he said go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit fell on them they started praying in tongues and things started happening they went out in the street undignified went out in the street and just started praying in tongues and the miracle was that every other nation out there represented heard their own language and they start saying well man these guys must be drunk and Peter stands up and says no we're not drunk We've just been filled with the power. And he starts preaching and 3,000 people get saved. If they never leave the house, 3,000 people never get saved. But they received the power to be a witness. You see, the Holy Spirit's not here just for you. Come on. It's not here just for the spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit's bigger than that. He, didn't, he wasn't given to you just so you can pray in tongues and edify your body. He was given to you to give you power to be a witness. I think of it like this. It's kind of like building a drag car, a drag racing car for you ladies that don't know what a drag car is. My uncle used to build drag cars and you'd hear him all hours of the night revving it up in his garage. Boom, boom. Sounds great. And all of his buddies would come over and say, Bro, listen to my car. Wow." It was a Chevrolet, so it sounded that bad. <laughs> and you know what? The car seemed powerful. But he never knew how powerful the car was until he took it to the track. Right? And he put it out on the strip and he set it loose. And the lights went from red, red, yellow, green. And he mashed the pedal and flames flew out the pipes. And he took off and messed his drawers up. And he went down the track in six seconds. He didn't know that power until he got it out of the garage. Right? You'll never know Jesus until you step out and experience him in the world. You'll never know him at that place. You'll only know him through here. Jesus is bigger than here. You got to get this. There comes a time where you got to get your head out of this book. And you got to go. And then you get to see that what's in this book is real. And it's alive. And when you come back to this book, you want to get some more. And you go, oh, I got to give you some more of this. Ooh, ooh. Right? Use your power. You're meant to be vibrant and active and intentional and driven and passionate and fire-filled. Stop looking like you're dead again. You're full of power. Two of you. I'll start with two, Lord. And the final thing is this. You say, well, Pastor, that all sounds great. And you seem real passionate about that. But man, I'm, I'm just still scared. Okay, let me give you this. Number four, Jesus is with you. Jesus makes a promise to his disciples in Matthew. He finishes up the book of Matthew. He finishes up his time on this planet with these words to his disciples. The last sentence he says to his disciples is to watch this in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, and I, will, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not letting you go out by yourself. He's with you. Right there with you. Because he wants to use you. He wants to speak through you. He's going to bring some miraculous signs along with you. He's right there with you. He's not sending you out by yourself. He's saying, man, I just want to go somewhere with you. Can we go somewhere? Can we tell somebody something? Can we see something happen? Let me finish up Mark 16. Look at what it says. Place your hands on the sick and they will be healed. Verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. You see, Jesus brings the signs to confirm your preaching. Right? So if you don't have a preach, people don't ever get to see signs. Right? The signs confirm what you've said. So when you go out and you tell people about going from spiritual death into spiritual life and about Jesus and the power that he gives you and the life that he breathes into you and that eternity is sealed up, he's going to bring the signs to confirm that what you're saying is true. Because when you go and you speak life to people, something inside of them changes. That's the whole parable of the soils. You see, the thing about the soils was, is that they all had a moment. They all had an experience with the seed. It's just that some continue to grow and some burned out, right? So when you go and you breathe life into people and you preach the gospel to them, something has to happen. It'll probably start off with the demonic shaking, maybe running and hiding. And then something will happen to them and they'll know that what you're saying is true. There's no reason to be afraid. I hope I've taken doubt from you. I hope that I've taken fear from you today. I don't want you to be trapped anymore between fear of what you think other people are going to say and fear of what God wants you to do. I don't want you to be there no more. You're free. The Bible says you're free. You got the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to go and be a witness. Go. Jesus says, I'm with you. How many more people does he need to bring? The Bible says you got all of heaven. As a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. Come on. We don't need to be afraid. I I believe this is a sign of when we get it. I believe that there's a boldness that comes over us. I believe that there's a confidence that comes over me. There's a carelessness, if I could say it that way, that I don't give a rip what people think about me anymore. The only person I'm impressing is Jesus, and he's already made up his mind about me. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they think. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to honor the Father, and I'm going to tell everybody I can that's spiritually dead about this person that gives spiritual life. And I'm gonna see how many people I can keep from hell and bring into the kingdom because it's about his kingdom, right? It's about his kingdom and building his kingdom. And let me tell you something, as you do that, man, here's the thing about God is that Jesus says, I'm with you, he's caring for you. It doesn't mean you forget about your problems. It doesn't mean you forget about what's going on in your life. It just means that he's working with you through it all. He's bigger than just your problem. He can be with you to evangelize and be healing you at the same time. In fact, some of you, your healing is waiting for your obedience. Done. That's my first closing. Maybe you want to come play? I'm just thinking about right now the people that I've shared the gospel with. Thinking about the guy, I called him Grape Ape. He was bigger than me, so I could call him a name. We're building the highway 165 through Kinder, and we're standing on the tracks. And the night before, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the next morning, I'm, I'm up at six o'clock going to work, and I'm sitting there, standing there with grape ape, and I'm looking up at him. And I said, Man, I had a great time last night. He's like, Well, what happened to you? This man I went to church. I got filled with the Spirit of God. Do you know God? It's kind of a weird feeling because I was looking up to him. I'm like, Do you know God? Well, I used to go to church. Yeah, but do you know God? Well, I know about God. But no, no, man, do you like really, really know God? Well, how can we know God? I shared the gospel with him. And he didn't fall on his knees and he he didn't cry and repent or none of that. But you know what? I took a seed and I put it in the ground and I gave God something to water. Right? I'm still believing I'm going to see grape ape in heaven. Right? I'm reminded of the bosses I've worked for that have tried to break me. Their sole mission in life was to get me to cuss, quit, and beat somebody up. They would do everything in their power to try and break me. And the same guys that would try to break me would end up coming back around and I would be able to pray for them. And I would be able to minister to them. One of them drops his son off at my youth group. That's what I'm reminded of. But can I tell you something? Just to be honest, those are old stories. And so I didn't preach this message to you today. I preached this message to us today. Because can I be honest with you? I fell into a groove too. I still get nervous when I go to witness to somebody. I still get the sweaty palms, but it doesn't mean I got to stop. Right? I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm pointing it back at me. Can you stand up with me this morning? just bow your heads and just begin to pray this morning wherever you're at however this message has hit you wherever you find yourself at today can you just deal with God with that right now maybe you need to repent for being quiet and caring more about what other people think than what God thinks maybe you need to ask God to help you with confidence and courage and boldness Maybe you're here this morning you need to say, you know what, Pastor, I just, I forgot about the lost. I stopped caring about the lost. I got saved and I figured I was good and I just quit. Pastor, would you just pray to God right now and just say, Lord, just break my heart for what breaks yours. Make me compassionate about what you're compassionate about, Lord. Father, I want to feel what you feel. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to see dead people come to life, Lord. Father, break us this morning. Break us, Lord. Lord, help us to stop caring about what people think, caring about other people's opinions. Holy Spirit, come and fill us this morning with your power to be a witness. Lord, I thank you that right now the principalities of darkness are shaking in their boots, Lord. They're scared that if, Father, will actually walk out of here and actually apply what we heard today, that, Father, the kingdom of hell is going to be turned upside down and the kingdom of heaven is going to be filled up. And so, Lord, I thank you that the, the principalities of darkness are scared Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage. Give us a no-care attitude, Lord. We just go out and we just touch people with the life. We just go and we touch them with the life, Lord. And we turn this dark world into a bright world. And we change the environment around us, Lord. And we change this world one soul at a time. And, Father, we populate heaven. And Lord, there'll be people that we see in heaven where we're going to spend eternity. And Lord, we're going to sit around and tell stories about when we shared the gospel, when we gave life to other people. We'll pass people on the streets of gold and say, hey, man, I'm glad you're here. And they'll say, Lord, and they'll say, I'm glad you told me to be here. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. I rebuke all fear. I rebuke all anxiety. I rebuke all concerns. I rebuke all those things off of this church. Leave in the name of Jesus. Lord, break our hearts right now, Father. Break our hearts, Lord. I pray, Father, when we go to bed, we see lost people. When we wake up in the morning, we see lost people. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you, Lord. That you're patient. You're gentle and you're kind with us, Lord, and you give us your grace and your mercy. Lord, we're not done yet and you know that. We're not done. We still got breath in our lungs so we can still tell people about Jesus. We can take responsibility for people knowing about Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that the weight of the results is off of us. We don't have to carry the weight of of what happens. We don't have to carry the results, Lord. We're not responsible for the results. We're just responsible for putting the seed in the ground. Lord, I pray that you, you give us ground to plant in and that, Lord, we plant fervently, Father. We plant sporadically, Lord. We plant where you tell us to plant. And, Lord, we just go out and we just put seeds in the ground and we stand back and we see what comes up. Because, Lord, I believe you've given all of us ground that is tilled up right now. And it's been prepared. You prepare the ground, Lord. We've already got the seed. We just got to put it in the ground. I just pray for all these planters, Lord. That are here this morning. And we go and plant. Like we've never planted before. We don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be in a straight line. We just go put some seed in the ground, Lord, and you come behind and you water it and you sun it and you breathe on it and it comes out, a beautiful creation. And so, Lord, we just pray that. I pray that over this church, that we'll be a planting church, a seed planting church. I can see it, Lord. I can see the dead rising, the dead coming to life, Lord, all around us at our workplaces, at the grocery store, at the restaurants we frequent, Lord, at all the places we go, at the gas station, Father, the the cash register people, Lord, all those folks. Father, I see them going from spiritual death into spiritual life, just happening all around us. Lord, may it come to pass. Stir in us, Father. Stir in us, Lord. Make us uneasy, Lord. Uncomfortable with the fact that people are dying and going to hell because they haven't heard. Burn in us, Lord. Burn in us, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus.